Hello and welcome back to the Grey Cricketer Podcast, day two at the SCG. My name is Ian Higgins and I'm joined by David Edwards. Dave, day two, welcome back to the SCG. Um, it's, been, uh, it's been another day of test cricket. Uh, I'm not sure how memorable. I suppose the biggest thing of the day is Steve Smith has just gone past 6,000 runs. Would you say it's the biggest thing that's happened that we'll take away from today at all? It's probably the biggest thing that's happened he goes, and it's good to be back with you and the listeners at the SCG again for day two of the test match. Probably um, oh, maybe Bob Hawke trying desperately to scull a schooner on Channel 9. It's probably the biggest. Mate, that was um, that was really interesting what happened there because like previously they showed that on the big screen and the whole yeah. crowd gets behind him. Yeah. And the, the way that played out was that he was holding the beer. He had a full beer and he was sitting in the SCG Trust. Yep. And he had a full beer and he like kept looking up to the big screen yeah. waiting to be put on the big screen. On. So then like the crowd could go like, yeah. yeah. And then he was waiting for it. And then he obviously got the nod just like, you're on TV now, Bob, do it. Yeah. And he did it. And Pat Cummins was bowling and he did like the first half of the beer. But then it took him so long to get to this point where he almost got stuck that that to cut back to the cricket. Had to Pat go on an ad break. Bowl, had to go to the gel and ashes ad break. <laughs> they cut back to him and then he's like finished the beer and it's just like the whole thing was like fucking bizarre that now <sighs> the SCG test it. is now known for two things like the Jane yeah. McGrath test, which is obviously a wonderful thing, and fucking Bob yeah. Hawke sculling a beer. Yeah, and taking three minutes to do so. It's fucking it's pretty tough work. I mean, how he's he's getting on a little bit. He's. 89? Is he 90? He's, he's he, nudging. He's properly frail as well. Like, he's not in the peak of his health, and, and nor does he need no. to be. Mate, I just find it really bizarre. Like, this is like we need this. Like, at SAG Test, Bob Hogg skulls a beer on yeah. TV. On the big screen, we clap and we love it. Well, it's like, you know, it's like whack a bingo. It's like the bing, you know, if mm. there's anything we know, mm. is that, you know, we love. Well, we love repeating everything, don't we? We love repeating everything. We love repeating everything. Circuits, chops, champs. Just all over again. <laughs> Keep listening, though. Mate, I, I, found that, I found that bizarre. But anyway, so so we'll say, we'll talk about Steve Smith now. He's done, yeah, let's talk. He's just gone past 6,000 runs. So he's done it. He's now the second uh, quickest in the history of Test cricket in terms mm. of innings to reach 6,000 Test yeah. runs. He did it in 111 innings. I like how that's to be specified by innings because was, was Bradman, could, there was a war. Yes, there was a <laughs> there war. There was a war there that kind of... Yeah, so you can do it out of action years, for a while. Yeah. So yeah. just to put it in context, so Steve Smith's the second... Uh, quickest in terms of innings 111 Bradman did it in 68 yeah. which is just fucking unbelievable and also yeah. well, I suppose the amazing thing about Steve Smith though is I just read a stat um, from our colleague Nerly Meadows at Fox Sports um, that uh, it took him 23 innings to get a test match 100 so yeah. his first 23 no hundreds nah. 23 to 111 he's got 25 or something ridiculous now 22 20 whatever it's 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 amazing but are you yeah. bored of watching him but uh, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> it's like daggers to me every Steve Smith innings so just before we came over here um, Stuart Broad found the edge to Steve Smith Stuart Broad on 399 test wickets as we are recording this um, and the edge fell between Bearstow and yep. Alistair Cook in first slip uh, can you imagine the angst of like they've found they can't get this guy out all summer yep. they don't know how to get him out he nicks one and it goes between keeper and first slip oh. We saw the I saw the veins on the side of of Broad's forehead. Mm. That was a real telltale sign that this would have meant a lot to him. Four hundred wickets, get mm-hmm. Steve Smith, mm-hmm. nudge that up, and mm-hmm. fuck me, mm. you've got to take those chances when they come, don't you? Mm. Absolutely, yeah. So Edo's, um, we we have been a little bit self-serving in, in the past about uh, talking about you know who we've seen in the press box, yep. but I do have a, a, a relatively interesting story that mm. um, I, w- I want to tell you about. Um, so you know, I think a lot of people will like kind of take for granted like how. Like, well, maybe I'll take that granted, but like, it's fucking hard to like get people like on our podcast because we're we're, we're nobodies. We and that's why maybe we're, as like we've us. said so many times, 
we are three blokes from the internet. We're three blokes from I mean, the we internet. are in name with Fox Sports, mm. but you know, we don't really rely on them. We don't rely on them at all to get guests. We have to go into and slide into DMs, as we've always said. So, so getting guests isn't easy. No. So when, when people come on and talk to us, it's actually quite a thrill for us, and yeah. it's really nice they do that. But then there's, a, there's people above that. I'm just talking about Shane Warne, basically. Yep. People above that who like who uh, you're almost like a bit starstruck. Like, yeah. I would say I was starstruck when I saw Warney, but like he's just he has he has he does have a presence about him and his new face, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I'm leaving the day's play yesterday, Eddo's, um, mm. after after putting out the podcast, and um, I'm walking to the lift, and uh, there's myself, there's uh, um, Dan Bresig, Jeff yes. Lemon. Uh, we get into the lift. Yep. Into the lift comes uh, Kerry O'Keefe, Gus Walland, Shane Warne, former Prime Minister John Howard, mm. and his wife, and we're all in one lift. His wife Jeanette, and his wife Jeanette, and I just thought this can. There's no way this is real life, and like that's like. You know, name five dinner guests. <laughs> <That'd> <laughs> if be you're the, on an island, that'd then, be the weirdest dinner. It would be a good dinner. It would be a dinner. It'd be something. Maybe yeah. Dinner. Anyway, so but when we get into the lift, and then I there think, isn't a lot of time in the lift. We should just specify no. the listeners because it's only three floors. You've got to go down. You've yep. probably got about ten to fifteen seconds in that lift. Correct. From the time the doors open and close. So we're in the lift, and then I think it was Gus Warland or, or maybe Kerry O'Keefe said, what are you doing tonight, morning?" And then Warney said, oh, I'm doing something I shouldn't be. And my ears pricked, and I just, mm. like, I looked at Dan Bredig, and I just, I, I'm Was so, he smirking I'm so when happy. he said, I'm doing something I shouldn't be? He was, be. like, doing those one of the things where, like, oh, I'm disappointed in myself, but yeah. you're going to love this story, and you're going to love me <laughs> yeah, for yeah, telling yeah. it. Yeah. So he said that, and then he, like... What, what phone if, does he have? If I, <laughs> it was an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> it was an iPhone. I've got his number. Yeah, <laughs> And, uh, Success, big hands. <laughs> and uh, he got his phone out, and he had like one photo on his phone. I didn't see the photo, but basically yeah. he said, I'm taking her to dinner, and I'm taking her home with me. Right. <laughs> and so that's what Warney was up to last right. night. And I just thought, that's, he's just living a different world, isn't he? But there's no way he's ever going to hear this. What was the, were like... the guffaws of laughter from John Howard and Jeanette Howard? Or... <laughs> 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 what was... What was... Former Prime Minister John Howard's reaction to that? Uh, oh, just, did he have his, you know, his iPod in? Uh, he <laughs> was just said something stopping the boats or something. I didn't really. Yeah, just, I, just start I chanting. Know, it just, but I just found this like this situation that, that I found myself in. It was just like, the, yeah. I mean, I'm just a bloke from the internet. Yeah, you know, yeah. Gus Warren, Kerry Keefe, yeah. uh, Ian Higgins, <laughs> Shane Warren. Yeah, one third of the great cricketer and some of the most influential people that so I know. So I told my mum that this morning because yeah. obviously, why wouldn't you? And she said, did they know who you were? Like, like... In what world would they fucking know who the great kid is? Or what even... Who are... Oh, okay, yeah. So anyway, no. Um, they, no, Mum, they didn't know who I was. Okay. Um, so that's one story. That, that's how it's going. Um, you know, if you want to reach out to us um, with the hashtag AskTJC, mm. Dave and I are going to be here all week doing the podcast. We like uh, we like hearing your questions. Um, I'm just going to wrap up um, the, sh- uh, bef- the show before we get... Um, Adam Collins, who's, who's um, very generously given us 15 minutes of his time uh, to speak to us. So, um, hashtag AskTGC, your questions and our answers. Can I just point out to the listener that you are fumbling around looking for these questions <laughs> with just, shaky internet I was in waiting the New South Wales office. All right, here we go. Here they are, they're bloated. Okay, Ed Howard asks, uh, hashtag AskTGC, gents, love the pod, makes the winter commute in London bearable. Quick question, can Kawaja's poor form be put down to the state of his rig? Looks like he's put on a few kgs recently. Can the same be said for Stoneman and his village stick? Thanks. That's Ed's question from London. So, um, I mean, Kawaja, as at the has time... He, has he put on a few kilos? He looks pretty good. I, I mean, Ed's obviously taken notice. I actually hadn't noticed that at all. I, I hadn't like noticed it. We've just seen him score. One worse. thing I have noticed mm. is that 
you know, when he's often photographed or in casual clothing, he likes to do the top button up. You know that thing that's quite popular now with the kids. Oxford look. Yeah, the Oxford look. The yeah, the mod look. The worst thing about collage is, is that, that he wears a watch on the field. He wears a watch on the field. You know, it's like he fields in a watch. Like, yeah. wow, it's, and it's a big watch. Yeah. I don't dinner, dinner like res- it. Dinner reservations. What about <laughs> what about what about Stoneman though? What about Stoneman's village stick? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so what's what's wrong with his stick? Um, I'm trying to think of Stoneman's stick. I think it's like a, it's not a, it's not a reputable brand on the, his stickers on his bat. Right. So I think I mean that's better than Bearstow with no with no stickers no, at all. Nothing. I mean that is kind of a bit village. All right. Or um, I need to watch his stick next time he hits twenty. George says at grade cricketer um, hashtag ask TJC why does my dad think the only reason I don't currently play pro cricket is because I spent my teenage years and in quotes trying to hit the ball too hard rather than the huge amount of evidence to say it was the lack of ability that was the issue good question George well your dad's being nice there isn't he you always try to hit it too hard you never caress the ball would you, would you prefer your dad say you are fucking shit <laughs> that's that's what he's saying there, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So George's dad seems like quite a nice bloke. He actually. seems like a lovely, just lovely like, father. Because actually, that compliment is like, you know, oh, you so, hit it too hard. Oh, you're you're unlucky. Try, you always try to hit it too hard, you know, yeah. because you're so big. It was strong. going over. Yeah, like yeah. all lies. Like it was hitting six pairs of stumps. <laughs> pairs of stumps. All right. Last question, Adam Brown using the hashtag ICJC. When discussing an LBW decision where the batsman is clearly out, is the correct term plum like the fruit or plum as in perfectly vertical? What is the, his- what is the history behind the terminology? Well, Adam's come to the wrong place if you want to ask like, historical-based yeah. questions. Well, Adam so. Collins has already left the building, <laughs> so we should have kept him on for that. So he's asked, is it plum like the fruit, P-L-U-M, or plum with the B as in perfectly vertical? Where's it derived from? Why well, assume yeah. perfectly vertical, perfectly plum vertical. with a B? It's not plum the fruit. Yeah, why would it be the plum seeded the fruit? fruit? Well, why would it be? Why would it be the seeded fruit? Fucking hell. Screen these questions next time. Adam Collins. Thank you, though. We know we appreciate it. Adam Collins coming up. We'll be back tomorrow. Day three. Jay McGrath Day. See you tomorrow. Here goes that time of the episode when we bring in someone much more credentialed than us in terms of cricket to discuss what's going on. Uh, in the test arena and we are here at the SCG again and we're with our good friend of the show Adam Collins welcome it's good you always say that when I come on the show but I feel thoroughly everyone is a good friend of the show <laughs> no, not that I, I love the friend of the pod um, Jibba but it's, yeah. more, it's more the uh, how credentialed the people you bring in uh, which, which suggests yeah. that you haven't spent that much time in the press box you don't know what it is that we really do which is just fuck around on the computer for six hours <laughs> and pretend you watch the play and reconstruct it via yeah. quick, quick info and then, then write our pieces oh well yeah, yeah you did tell me about how you plagiarise all your pieces so. <laughs> yeah yeah so apart from all that no yeah. it's, it's lovely to be back on the show well Colo it's quarter past five in the afternoon as we uh, record this mm. so there's a, there's a few moments left in the day's play but um, run us through the day's play day two of the SCG test as you've seen it so far yeah well England won the morning uh, I think that expectations were fairly managed for them when, when play started it was what sort of debacle were we going to see were they going to be losing their seven wickets for 30 or, mm. or 80 but they exceeded the expectations by piling on I think it was 116 mm-hmm. um, you know Curran didn't bat particularly gracefully, but did the job. Broad, I think the, the broad uh, renaissance with the bat is, is noteworthy. How he uh, was the walking wicket for the first three test matches and now has mm. found a way to, you know, not not in an orthodox fashion, but be able to score again. He's been important in the last two test matches. Third 
most sixes in the history of the SCG. It had a cracking stat. I think that was a Rick Finlay stat from the ABC. So you've got Adam Gilchrist, who played, I think, 11 test matches mm. here. And Broad's played three innings here, and he's second on the list of most sixes hit. Yeah. So well played, Stuart Broad. I quite like the, the pantomime villain stuff with him. I know it was, yeah, it's obviously nonsense. They continue to boo him yeah. years on for a ball he hits the wicketkeeper, which deflected the first slip. Of course, the beat-up merchant still saying that he flogged at the first slip and, yeah, and didn't smashed walk. smashed it. Yeah, you know. Can I just say on that? I don't care if he fucking hit it to mid-off and didn't walk. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Who's ever? What does it matter? Where on the field? Where, but, like, but isn't, yeah, but the walk walking. Ever. Well, the walking culture. It's it, it's always been the other way around, has it not? Uh, through history, it's been that Australians do not walk because no. we allow the umpire to make. I think Gilchrist started walking. Yeah. And just muddied the Australian. That was un-Australian. Yeah, but only really but happened. Patriotic. But it only really happened once, didn't it? I mean, the Gilchrist not walking yeah. thing is all about one time inside edge times. We've yeah. had admittedly a World Cup semi-final, yeah. quite a significant sort of moment in his mm-hmm. career. But still, it's not as though he was routinely, you know, sort of going. Oh, sorry, fellas, yeah. no, I did hit that. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck off now! Like it, it wasn't really. You well, know. it's funny because like it never really worked for me. There was in, in fact, in fact, speaking of SCG test matches, he was given out um, by Billy Bowden at an SCG test where I think it actually might have been in an Ashes game as well, and it might have been Liam Plunkett mm. or it could have been against being in Sri Lanka. I've just made something up there. Yeah, but, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Given Plunkett's never played an Ashes well, test match, yeah. it probably isn't that. So it's not Plunkett, but yeah, he he, he covered drove a ball, hit the rough, and he played and missed. And Billy Bowden gave him out. So yeah. like, even though he was known as a walker, yeah. so it didn't even yield him any benefit of all of being known as a walker. So well, the answer the is point? just never walk. Moeen Ali walked today, actually. I mean, DRS is different now because what's the point of you know you're sort of gambling? Yeah. Know, well, if you know you've hit it and you're going to go upstairs and you know, but as as, 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 <laughs> yeah. as Eddie Guerrero, the famous WCW wrestler, used to say, cheat to win. So. Yeah. <laughs> I adopt famously. Yes. Famously. famously. So I mean, yeah. So uh, Stuart Broad whacked some sixes. What happened next? Uh, well, I think that England bowled really well before lunch, picking up Bancroft. I, I saw a good stat about Bancroft's dismissals. All seven of his dismissals in this series, none of them, sorry, how can I frame this? None of them have swung more than one degree. So, in other words, he's missing straight balls. And I think yeah. that how root stumps. Bowl at the stumps, and that's the majority of his dismissals have been bowled. So, mm. or, or leg before his weakness is balls on the stumps. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems Which like a odd... fundamental thing that as a batsman that you should be wary of. But, but maybe, but maybe as an opener, it's not. Like, you think about it. Like, let's just step back from that. Yeah. Maybe it's not as an opener. Not a lot of balls mm. who hit the stumps. Oh, yeah. Good so, so, so maybe, so maybe it is about um, he's vulnerable to when the balls is pitched up. But nonetheless, yeah. he, the way we saw Renshaw jettisoned after yeah. what three Sheffield Shield games, yeah. Yeah. I think that he might be in strife for South Africa purely on that metric because how could they retain him also given uh, that Sean Marsh Sean Marsh has played well in that part of the world he's down at number six I can well, number five isn't he because they, they yeah. shuffled yes. um, yeah. Marsh into the 11 but nonetheless I can see a world where Marsh would slot into the opening spot mm. make some room for Peter Hanscom hopefully that um, gives Maxwell a chance to tour I think that's probably a, a 50-50 shot at this stage but they're not going to play another Sheffield Shield round mm. before they pick that, that squad for South Africa that's, mm. that's significant as well so whatever we see here will probably dictate what happens for South Africa so that could put so the selectors have had a, a wonderful season I guess yeah. and a lot of the lot of the good things come off for them except the opening position is still an absolute fucking who's going to do it yeah it's a bit of a, a bit of Australia's got talent sort of contest yeah. still for, for that position and, and I mean I'd argue that uh, the way they rationalised the Maxwell decision for the one day squad uh, you know reflects the fact that they kind of got lucky with the test squad but on the other hand the other way of framing that is that <clears throat> is that they, they applied the right kind of metric to how you're meant to pick a side selectors aren't meant to just tally up spreadsheets and mm. hit enter and that who plays in it. You're meant to yeah. show broader 
nous than that, and that was what they applied for Tim Payne, which has been a raging success. Uh, Mitchell Marsh as well, that he wasn't you know, wasn't quite ready to play the first test match, but after a, a couple of Sheffield Shield games at home, they, they backed him in on that on those grounds when he was in form. So look, there's more to it than, than simply going through numbers. So when they said Maxwell was omitted on the basis that he'd averaged 20 in the last 22 innings he'd played for Australia at, at one-day level, that reminded me of when Rod Marsh said that the reason they weren't picking Klinger was because of his first-class batting average. Well, Klinger started playing first-class cricket in 1999 when mm. like when the Millennium Bug was still a thing, you know, yeah. and, and, and yet that was still uh, <laughs> it was a different world. But that, that was that was still a, a, an input to the decision making of, of Rod Marsh in 2015. Yeah. I mean, again, that, that says Bridget a little bit about selections. a little bit about Rod Marsh, but still, that, when they reflected on Glenn Maxwell's recent average for the one-day side, that completely disregards that. I mean, we all know that Glenn Maxwell was one of the mm. most dynamic match winners in, in white ball cricket in the world. You can kind of talk about a prophet not being welcome in, mm. in their hometown, the old biblical quote. Mm. I mean, Glenn Maxwell is far more welcome anywhere but Australia. You look at the, mm. the response to his omission from someone like Jeff Thompson that said, oh, he can't play. I mean, obviously he can play, but he still yeah. has this there's a perception around Glenn Maxwell that if he doesn't quite... Um, hit your erogenous zones that, that he shouldn't yeah. be in the side yeah. when if he's not quite playing the game the way you want it that, that maybe he should be out of international consideration when the selectors have got to have a broader view than that mm. I love that binary nature from Jeff Thompson he cannot play yeah. 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 he can right. recount and he cannot well, they really laid into him on Channel 9 the other day before the match started saying he can't play the short ball doesn't train well everyone was getting into him <laughs> from, from it, like Shane Warne was really leading the charge against him fellow Victorian well yeah I mean well you got you got to ask yourself the relationship between how close that relationship relationship is between, uh, and that's a worthy discussion point, is that um, CA and Channel 9 are obviously incredibly close, whether that's at the website or the Twitter account or the way they administratively operate. Uh, And I'm sure that when you're working in that relatively small gene pool that there's going to be a lot of crossover in opinion mm. so I'm fairly confident that whatever reasons they, they've used internally to dismiss Maxwell from the one day side remembering he wasn't actually in the side in India he was dropped there but there's mm. a massive difference between being left out of the side when you're on tour and being omitted from the squad altogether especially considering he's been in every uh, one day squad Australia has played in in Australia since 2012 so it's a bit it's a big call especially when there's a World Cup mm. I think it's 19 months away or something like that in England and they're trying to firm up their position for that the idea that Maxwell wouldn't be a part of that uh, World Cup squad's almost fanciful and, until now where it's very much the case that he might be so mm. I mean I know that's not what we're here to talk about mm. but when we're talking about selection that yeah, Maxwell yeah. decision is, is noteworthy well, so we'll bring it back to today's play and um, and your other thoughts on that so obviously once we were able to get England out eventually we've now had a bat and what are your thoughts on how firstly how Australia's kind of gone so far Kwaja Smith hitting some runs and also maybe your thoughts on uh, the young leg spinner Crane yeah well let's start with Kwaja who I, I think the, the most significant part of his inning so far is that he's batting quite poorly out there he's not hitting the ball well it's the worst fucking 69 <laughs> yeah uh, we're recording at 5pm at the moment yeah. I don't know if he's going to go to 100 but it's been probably the worst 69 I've seen I've been watching him pretty closely I'm definitely writing about him with stumps tonight and, and I think that like he's you would never have called Nusman Khawaja innings ugly two years ago. He was the most informed, mm. elegant player on planet Earth, mm. said at the time, if you're playing Mars, he'd be the first man on the on the team sheet in the summer of 15-16. Now he is having to go through a period inside the Australian side when he is out of form. And that happens to most players at different periods of their career. This series so far, he's looked out of form and incapable of turning it around. Um, you know, an airy 50 at Adelaide where he got out a few balls after the, the lights went on. Mm. Um, in Perth, he was riding shotgun with Steve Smith in the Stream of a player at the peak of his powers. This right. is tough work out there. They've got a, you know, a, a, not a huge total on the board to, to chase down to get first innings lead, but not for nothing either. It's pretty slow out there, pretty hard to bat. So, um, 
It's admirable, I think, that Kawaja is still there, still battling through. As for Crane, he gives it a rip, doesn't he? You can't ask much more of a leg spinner on Debut. And I should note that I think when we came in to record this on five separate occasions, he had to pull out of his run-up before delivering. So he's, you know, I don't know whether that's the yips or a bit of confidence mm. or whatever, but there's a lot going on above the shoulders. You don't um, stop in your run-up with that level of frequency if everything's operating as it should be. But yeah, he's still getting to the crease and finding a couple of inside edges. He beat Kawaja. He got Kawaja's outside edge one time as well, I think it was. Uh, he, he's shown some, some... Has he always been a guy who gives it a rip, or is this youthful yeah. exuberance on the, on the national no, stage? No, this no. Is his game. Yeah, this is his game. He, he has yep. a crack. Will McPherson, who's obviously another friend of your pod's written about him uh, during the week for the Times, mm-hmm. wrote a really lovely piece about the way he goes about it. And um, the way he got into this side is because he's considered to be a player who can operate in Australian conditions, whether that's, you know, <laughs> retrofitted after he, after he played yep. here in club cricket or otherwise. It's it's a compelling narrative given the way he's bowled today. He hasn't taken any wickets, but he could have taken a few. And the, the problem with England when it comes to spinners historically is their favoured finger spinners and was talking elsewhere about this yesterday on another broadcast and about the conservatism of England selections and how they've tended to favour finger spinners as a as a means of drying up runs and holding up an end as opposed to Australians which have mm. traditionally we favoured wrist spinners mm. uh, who take a bit more of a punt so I, I hope from an England perspective that they do persist with Mason Crane, he's 20 years old, he's the same age as Shane Warne, I think Warne was 21 when he debuted now, not wanting to offer the, you know, say he's going to be Shane Warne or anything like that, but you need to persist. Warne took famously one for 150 out here in his first test match and they, and they stuck fat with him mm. and we saw the rewards of that. So hopefully from his perspective, it isn't like Adil Rashid who got a sustained period in the side for England last winter and was punted as soon as he got home when they're like, well, we're back in England now, we can just deal with mm. you know, having the finger spin of Moen Ali and Liam mm. Dawson mm. that came in as well. So I, I think that they, they, you know, it's hard to judge off one afternoon's bowling, but mm. it feels like he's got the right parts in the right places to, to play a role internationally. You impressed by Moen today? Yeah, it's the best he's bowled on tour. I think that the fact that he got brought on early when was when came yeah, in yeah. Uh, was a pretty aggressive move and he was able to get two maidens under his belt uh, in his first two overs he's not bowled a maiden you know perhaps not bowled two maidens on the spin all series I'd, I'd hazard a guess to saying and mm. uh, that that obviously helps build confidence and that was what's been missing with his batting and his bowling mm. even today with the bat he he played quite conservatively early on he was mostly just tucking off his hip he put away his cover drive and you know he's about this you know he's proverbial inch away from being dropped from the England side. This was the guy when he came out here three months ago was held not in the same esteem as Ben Stokes as an all-rounder, but not far off that. A guy that made 400s the previous calendar year, played really well in England with ball and bat against South Africa last year. He was the player of the series in, in that in that uh, in that in that series, so mm. you know, but to go from that height to where he's nearly getting punted is a, is a big shift. So yeah. hopefully, um, again, from his perspective, that this is a bit of a turning point for him. But geez, he, he's lucky to have kept his spot because he was absolutely dross in Melbourne with the ball. Mm. And when he came out to bat, it was a, like he'd never done it before. It was a, it was a schizophrenic innings to say the least. And just quickly, um, how do you see the test panning out from him? Uh, I think that it's still got the potential to be quite a dreary test match. Just before we came in here, Joe Root was standing a second slip in a helmet uh, to Jimmy Anderson. Now, Jimmy Anderson isn't, isn't Mitchell Stark, but if you're standing that far up a second slip on day two, if balls aren't carrying mm. to the keeper, which yeah. they're not, Smith edged broad not long yeah. uh, before that as well. Yeah. And, and wasn't and, he furious broad? Yeah, that would have been 400. Well, yeah, he was roaring down that, mm. the, you know, he knew that that, yeah. that was the, that the, finally he'd drawn Smith, a legitimate edge. scout. There'll be, you know, footage of this for the rest of my career. They'll flash back to it. This could have been the moment for me, 400. Yeah, that, that's that's it. Yeah, and, and Smith proceeds to, that was when he was on yeah. 6,000 career runs. Like it was all, you know, the, yeah. the, it was a reminder of just how good Smith is as well. 
well. Yeah. Uh, but I quite like the idea of Crane getting in first up. So that'll mean uh, Overton, Curran, and yeah, Crane yeah, have all yeah. picked up Smith with their first wicket in Test cricket. It's, it's like, very misleading. Well, yeah, it's like going it's like going home with a supermodel first up, and you know yeah. it doesn't really sort of get yeah. much better than that, well, does didn't, it? Um, didn't Peter George get Tendulkar? That was his first yeah, Test wicket. And that's where's, right. Where's he now? Yeah. Peter Siddle as well. Office works. Was the, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think Peter Siddle's first Test wicket. It may not have been Tendulkar, but it was fairly early on. Right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, they're, they're probably quite a good book in that. People have uh, taken remarkable scouts with their with their first wicket in Test cricket. We'll see. So, Kyle, I just want to ask you one more thing. I mean, we talked about selections, but um, I just want to finish on this. So, uh, let me play devil's advocate here. So, I mean, yep. Bancroft looks completely out of touch. Um, yep. Sean Marshes, this is his first time in his test career he's ever played five test matches in a row for Australia. Mm-hmm. We've got Mitchell Marsh batting six. Now, all these selections have worked out really well for the selectors. So, like, it's, it's harsh to criticise him because Mitchell Marsh comes in, first test match was 180. Yeah. Um, is Mitchell Marsh the number six for Australia long term? I don't think anyone is truly believing that. So, what, happens, what I'm saying is, what happens if Sean Marsh breaks down with a sore back? Bancroft's gone and Mitchell Marsh gets found out by staying in South Africa. I'm pretty okay with it. I'm against the grain on this. I'm, I'm a Mitch Marsh believer, have okay. been for a long time. Yeah. Uh, on the basis that uh, he has, as he says himself, when he got back from India last year, he was completely focused on how he was going to play red ball cricket. He forewent the IPL auction in, in order to play county cricket for Surrey next year. Now, he may not play very much county cricket that at all. That is a big move for his personal brand as well. Yeah, like, that's, a, that's a real statement. Mm. Like, Absolutely. I'm going to forego these IPL riches and I'm going to work on my red ball cricket in England. He's going against like his rig-based selection. Like He's just he's reinventing he himself. He's reinventing himself. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Well, it's exactly what... It's, it's similarities to what Josh Hazelwood did a couple of years ago. He missed the IPL in order to just get himself right for that long tour of the West Indies followed by England. Mm. Uh, and that played out quite nicely for him as man of the series in the West Indies. There's obviously well. a great history of cricketers doing this, you know, focusing, going to England, yeah. making a real statement about that. Mm. Well, Chris, yeah. well, Chris Rogers, Chris Rogers is a good example. Well, Rogers sp- yeah. spoke about it at every media conference he did after he retired, saying we need to get more players going to England. The rules have changed somewhat in recent years, but there's nothing precluding someone of Mish Marsh's calibre getting the no objection certificate and going over and being the pro. Now, yeah, there's a lot of cricket being played next winter for Australia overseas. They're playing one days in England. Mm. Uh, they're touring the UAE later in the winter. I'm not quite sure whether there'll be something else spliced in Zimbabwe that's yet to be determined, but but still, the idea that he's making that statement not to play IPL in order to basically do a pre-season in England, it can only be good for the side. Last year, Travis Head didn't play for Australia A in favour, or it was 2016 actually, didn't play for Australia A in favour of playing for Yorkshire. Cameron Bancroft went to Gloucestershire a couple of years right. ago. Um, we saw Jake Lehman at Yorkshire. We saw Glenn Maxwell mm. also playing some county cricket at Yorkshire. So they, they've shown, yeah. they've, they've realised and evaluated they have a problem against England in England of course not having won there since 2001 so and I like the idea that Mitchell Marsh is sort of buying into that so as to whether he's going to go out and and and, uh, and, and score 400 runs in four tests in South Africa that's yet to be seen but I think that his mind's in the right place to do mm. precisely that um, the runs he made in Perth yet yeah, flat track hard track bouncy track his home ground all the all, all the conditions were right for him to, to perform well there Australia were doing well as he came in but uh, look I, I, I do believe that he has the right bits in the right places. I said the same thing about Mason Crane before, but I... I Certainly I, has a good rig. Yeah, and, and he has got a great rig, and he, you know, he's, and he's a lovely guy. I know this, uh, this may not fit into the great cricketer psyche, but Mitch is a... We're yeah, all believers, for different reasons, yeah, of Mitch Marsh. He's a, he's a particularly... Um, more aesthetic. Yeah, he's a particularly <laughs> nice guy. Well, on, that, well, on that alone, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised speaking of rig-based selection, mm. that Marcus Stoinis, I mean, he's got the best... Yeah. Lead in cricket. Good lead. Really no question about it. Good salad, yeah. Big, 
big rig and like mm. got that triangle thing going on. Yeah. Nice smile. You can just imagine what it been what it would have been like. He probably what he's still like on the on the nightclub dance floors. Of Perth, I do wonder. You know, I yeah. often wonder that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine like having a night out on the tiles lot. with Marcus Stoinis. So it just be <laughs> it would, would be really something. A night circuiting with, with yeah. the big Stoinis. But no, on the, I think he'd be a, a decent show of getting a ticket to South Africa too. Because each yeah. time he's played for Australia, he stepped up. Whether it was in India. Um, earlier this year, obviously in in New Zealand, when he made those runs yeah. in a hurry, you know, went Australia and all sorts at the start of 2017. So yeah, watch out for Marcus Stoinis. He be the bolter. Good stuff, Colo. It's been fascinating as always, mate. And um, enjoy the rest of the test. I know it's been a long tour for you, as it has for many press guys out there. So hopefully you'll survive it and get a couple more circuits under your belt. Yeah. Before the end of the series and the media night tonight, tomorrow, should I say? Night yeah. Nights. It, for you and your blood. It is the night of nights. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's the Brownlow. I wouldn't say it's probably more like the Dally M for you tip rats in New South Wales. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's, it's it's a bit more low rent version of the Brownlow. We're not yeah. going to be in tuxedos, that's for sure. But nah, um, no, no, yeah, no. I'm, I'm I'm always happy to come on and talk to you. I always feel like you ask me really serious cricket questions, mm. and I can't be. No, I can't be my, yeah. my real, true, authentic self. I can't play my natural game. But, but maybe another time. <laughs> Next time we'll get you on. Maybe the another rig time. Eleven. Yeah, yeah, the Rig 11, chopping, all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. This is more my natural space. You draw me out of my natural space yeah. to talk about cricket. But all I really want to do is talk about, talk about bedroom and bathroom stuff. Anyway, next time. Next time. Thanks, Colo.